Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 172, Friends, Finding, Keeping, and Loving Them. Yes, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I don't have Matt Krieg. I don't even have producer Steve with me, just heard his voice, but that was with the magic of radio. Um, But guys, today I am going to have two guests on with me today to talk about friendship. How can we, you know, if, if COVID has made you feel a little friendship guilt or shame, um, how can we overcome that? What if you're super busy and you're like, how in the world I'm a busy mom juggling 19 children and counting? Uh, and how do I invite friendships into this space? How do you confront your friends? How do you know if someone's toxic? Um, how, how can we engage some of these big friendship questions? I cannot wait to have our guests on today to let us know how we can really... Uh, Get, get real with our friends. Before we dive into the conversation, I did want to remind you of a way that you can become friends uh, with Matt and I, and that is, um, it, it's honestly, we, we have a monthly Q&A where we're taking some of your hardest questions or ones that you're really sorting through, and we engage them in real time. We talk about right now topics. We talk about really just, we take three of your questions and we uh, interact with you live, but we also record it the last Wednesday of each month, both me and Matt. And you can join that by becoming a monthly supporter, helping this podcast get on the air uh, and helping the stuff that we do with Impossible Ministries keep happening. You can go to lauricreeg.com slash partner, your partnership of 15 bucks or more per month. You're going to join that team and we can't wait to see you. Oh, guys, I am so excited to welcome to the show today, Julie Fisk and Kendra Rail of the Ruth Experience. Julie is a former lawyer and then became the co-founder of the Ruth Experience alongside Kendra Rail and Kristen Demery. Julie, back to her, she is also uh, an author, teacher, wife, mom, and backyard farmer. Kendra is trained as a social worker and is also an author, speaker. She's a foster parent, mom of five, and as well as that co-founder of The Ruth Experience. Together, these dear women, uh, the trio of them, we just have two of the three on today. They've written several books, including the focus of today's conversation, which if you guys are watching the video, you can see it. It's called The One Year Daily Acts of Friendship, 365 to Keeping, Finding, Keeping, and Loving Your Friends. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, just before uh, we dive into even our question of the week, what is the Ruth experience? <laughs> so the Ruth experience is um, a name actually that we came up with years ago when Julie and I were leaders in a little church plant that we had started together. And we had wanted to bring women together in community where they could share their testimonies and kind of share their stories and encourage one another. And that was um, a face-to-face kind of gathering. So we would have these like monthly gatherings where different women would share. And so when we started to want to create an online space for our writing, we decided we wanted to have that same kind of feel, that same sort of community. And so we were like, let's just call that the Ruth experience. Mm -hmm. So it's based on the book of Ruth from the Bible and just the story of Ruth and Naomi and how they did life together, how they journeyed um, alongside one another, how they shared joys and heartaches and sorrows, all of that 
kind of experience they had in relationship and friendship, we wanted to create that sort of a space online, um, in person, anywhere we were. So that's really the heart behind the Ruth experience. It does need a little bit of an explanation. Most of the time people are like, what does this mean? But um, yeah, so that's the heart behind it. I love that. And that's really what uh, we're going to be exploring today as we're talking about friendship and relationships and just that experience, that intangible withness that I hear you describing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but let's do a little icebreaker question just to get to know you guys better. Guys, you know me if you've been listening for long enough that sometimes I forget to ask the audience. And that did happen today. I love you guys. I actually would love to hear your uh, response to this question if you join the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook group. But here's a question I'm going to throw out to you you, uh, Julie and Kendra, is what are you doing for vacay this summer? Are you doing anything? Are you doing staycation? I know this is like we've been trapped in our homes for, I don't know, a million years at this point. But so I'm just curious, are you getting out? What are you doing? Let's, who wants to go? I, um, last summer, my husband and I bought a 1993, like tiny little Crestliner speedboat. So we could take our children tubing and we've named it Bodie McBoatface because it constantly like broke down on us. So it stranded oh. me on the water about four different times before we got it oh, fixed. No. But once we got it fixed, um, it was so much fun. And so we are planning on, um, we're not, we don't have any big trips planned, but Bodie McBoatface will be coming out and we'll be taking, we're going to, we have lakes in our area rather than having to go up north. And so we're going to be taking friends out on Bodie and tubing and skiing and, all that good stuff. So I love Bodie face. I think that was some. <laughs> I was irritated point. at Bodie for a long time, yeah. but I grudgingly like him now. So, ah, thank you, Julie. Which guys listening? Um, if you're not watching, then you don't know who just talked. That's Julie's voice, and now we're gonna hear Kendra. What are you doing for fun? I love hearing what people are doing for fun. So we live in Minnesota. We have been vacationing in Wisconsin since I was a little kid. On madeline island which i hate to even tell people about that because it's such a sweet little place and there's like it's completely wooded it's rustic it's dirt roads and internet barely works and it's so fun we rent a cabin on the water because it's lake superior um every week we go with my parents and my sister and her kids come too so it's just it's a lot of fun oh that's so great i think i've seen that island on Matt and I have been watching a lot of vacation shows, hence probably the mm-hmm. question on like island life or something. I think it's yeah. been featured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we are going somewhere uh, this spring. Um, we are going to take some South Carolina, but this summer probably not going to do too much um, because I am starting my master's and I've gotten intensive at Wheaton for a couple of weeks. So it's going to be dad week with the three kids and he may end up taking them somewhere, but I'm going to be quote unquote vacationing at Wheaton, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. Okay. We want to get to know you better, not just your vacation spots, uh, but we would love to hear your gospel journey. And so we're going to ask each of you this, this question. We just want to hear a little bit of your story of your encounter with the gospel, which if the gospels, I am more loved than I imagine. And yet still more sinful than I believe. When was the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still? Julie, can we start with you? Sure. Um, you know, I grew up in a denomination. And when I was in, we had a confirmation class. And 
I had some real questions about faith and God and some of our denominational beliefs and my youth pastor did not handle my questions well. And so in retrospect, um, me being the sassy 13 year old that I was, it wasn't totally fair to that very young youth pastor, but um, it really caused me to pause in my faith. And the thing I love about God is that he just continued to intersect me. And so even as I went through years of doubt and wondering, he kept putting people in my path and I kept talking to him, even though I wasn't totally sure I believed in him. Um, and it was in my early twenties and I met, um, Kendra and her older sister, Katrina, and I joined a Bible study with them. And that's really where I came back to God and really where he started to do a deep work in me again. So I just would say to all the mamas out there with kiddos that are questioning their faith, God is so good. And he does, he keeps intersecting us and he doesn't stop intersecting us. And so Mm. he never quits on us. Yeah, girl. Yeah. That's so good. Dear Julie, how do you still need the good news, the gospel today? (laughs) (laughs) Like right this second. (laughs) I just laugh because, you know, like even today I, you know, with daylight savings, we overslept. And so getting my son out of the house into school, we had like 10 minutes to get out the door. And it just was like one of those crazy mornings. I mean, I need Jesus every day um, in the little things, like just in that, like keeping that sort of even keeled and just trying to help poor Johnny um, stay even keeled as he's heading out the door to school kind of last minute. But then in the big things too, right? There's so much going on right now. And I just keep I just give tomorrow's worries to God. And Mm. sometimes that's all I can do is just say, you know what, that's for tomorrow, Lord. And I'm just going to give that back to you so that I can focus on today. That's good. All right. I would love to hear your story too, Kendra. And I love already hearing the intersection between you guys, how you started to become friends. But Kendra, good news, the gospel. When was that first good news for you? So I grew up... Um, always being a part of the church. My parents um, became believers right when I was born. And so very involved in church and learning about God from a very young age. Um, But I, I remember the church that we grew up in, even though we were told that God was loved, there was a lot of rules kind of put on top of that of things to do or not do. And it wasn't so much my parents that conveyed that, but more just, the feel of the environment that we were in. So even though I knew that God was love, I also thought, but there's this, 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 and this that I need to do or not do. And then Julie and I were part of a church plant several years ago. And one of the things that we started kind of growing in and reading was about loving people around us well, even people who are outside the church or look different from us. And although I had grown up in a place where that had been said, it had never really been put into practice. Like nobody actually like, loved their people around them who were very different. We, we were very uniform in the church. And so we started just loving our actual physical neighbors who lived next door to us. We started loving, um, you know, the, the Somali um, neighbor that lived down the street, um, we live in a neighborhood where there were um, 
exchange students from Saudi Arabia in our backyard. And we started to invite them over for bonfires and just anyone that we came across, we just started loving them where they were at. And for me, that just opened up this idea that like, once I saw people and saw their heart and saw who they were and that they were made in the image of God, even if they looked very, very different from me, I just realized like, oh my goodness, Jesus is so good. Like, he's just so good. He is good news to all of us. And that just broke something open in me too, too. <clears throat> you know, growing up in such a rigid environment, sometimes, sometimes things happen and then we keep it. Yeah. And I'm sorry. You're doing great. But when we fully recognize how much God loves Hmm. everyone and how he is so good, then it's like, then I'm able to internalize that myself. Um, Yeah. So that's where I'm at even today. Like, you were asking, Julie, how does the gospel inform you today? Even this morning, I was just thinking that again. I tell my kids all the time, you guys, Jesus is such good news. Like, he's just the best news ever. Like there's nothing better than Jesus coming and the life that he lived and the example that he set for us. And this morning I'm reading and I'm writing in my journal, like, Lord, help me to love this person well, like this specific person. That's how it informs my life even today yet. It's like Mm. just his undeniable love for me and for people around me, even those who are difficult or challenging, or I would even say would be an enemy in some respects. Um, They're made in the image of God, you know? And so how do I love people well? Praise God. Oh, so good, you guys. And I just love your real raw um, connection to the gospel. Like, it's just real. This is real life. Okay, why is friendship so important? You write this book on friendship, you guys, you know, you're talking about your relationship to each other, but like from little kids to, you know, picturing myself in a nursing home someday, why do we all need friends? You were not built to go it alone. And I think that's one of the Um, pitfalls or the lies that we believe, especially in our American culture, is that we're going to do it on our own and we don't need anybody else. And if you look at the New Testament and you look at first century Christians, I mean, it's replete with examples of being in community and and God putting us into community. Um, And my girlfriends have been I love my husband. I, mean, I love my husband. He's one of my, he's my best friend, but my girlfriends have been the ones that have pushed me forward, held me accountable, encouraged me, picked me up. Um, I am the woman I am today in part because of the women in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's So to me, and I didn't grow up like loving women and I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up with women. I have only brothers. So I was sort of scared of women, but I am so passionate now about women in community. And if we're doing it in healthy ways, I believe we would be unstoppable. Like if, mm. if, if the girls of Jesus linked arms and did healthy community with one another, I think we would be an unstoppable force. Mm. I agree. I 
am thinking right now of the listener who, you know, been in COVID for the last year, been probably either feeling really lonely and looking out and like no one reached out to me or maybe on the other side, like I haven't reached out to others. So can you talk to that person who's maybe feeling some friend guilt um, or shame, guilt or shame? Like, so just like, uh, actually they sound like both like shame. Like I'm a bad friend or I don't have enough friends. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is that that if someone is having that thought, who's listening, that's not from God. God doesn't shame us, doesn't guilt us. And even though, like Julie said, you know, Jesus' greatest command is to love God and to love people. Um, he's not going to guilt or shame us into doing that. So we can, first of all, just, I think, acknowledge that and say, okay, I know this isn't from God. Even if we feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit does nudge us to reach out to people. And so I would just start by praying, okay, Lord, I need to start over. Like, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Who should I reach out to today? And I, it, this, these don't have to be huge things. I mean, even, even now, you know, I can send a text to a friend, letting them know I'm praying for them or I'm thinking about them. I can um, pick up a cup of coffee and take it to a friend. I can, you know, there are simple ways to kind of do that without it taking tons and tons of time. I would just say, just start again. Just, just pick up again where you're at. If you feel like you've left somebody behind, and, and you feel bad about that, like apologize for, mis- for doing that and just say, can we start over? Can we, can we pick this back up? Um, and I think our friends are more gracious to us than we probably would be to ourselves too, so. Is the question, you know, is the prayer ever, God, will you have someone reach out to me? Or is it only always you, you should reach out? I think we can pray for people to reach out to us too. I do. I think though that if everybody prays that, then nobody has. So I think we have to be willing, I think, to do both. Um, We can't just get stuck in the mindset that I'm just going to wait for people to come to me. Um, We have to be willing to, to step out at times. And yet there are times where, Like Julie has sent me a text or another friend has, you know, called me up and said, how are you doing? And reached out to me. So I don't think that it's bad to pray that. But at the same time, I think along with that, we should be praying. And who can I reach out to? You know, I, I'm going to just tack onto that and say, um, and, and it was Kendra's big sister who originally prayed for girlfriends. And that's how we started. That's how we gathered around her table is, she prayed for girlfriends. Um, but I will also tell you that I was the new girl sitting in the church pew and Katrina came up to me and said, Julie, come sit by me. Julie, would you please be in my Bible study? And so it's a little bit of both. God asks us to move and he will meet us when we move, but he often pushes us out of our comfort zones. And as the girls who believe in Jesus, we are to be the inviters. So I understand the desire because believe me, hello, that's me to be invited, but I have found more often than not, I have to be the inviter. And um, so I can pray for friends and I can, I, I can do that part of it, but 
I also have to be willing to step. Jesus frequently makes me take the step. Mm-hmm. So it can be both, but don't be surprised if Jesus is like, go knock on your neighbor's door or whatever, like proverbial. Like, I would never want to knock on my random neighbor's door, but he might make you, I don't know. How do you know if you're asking too much of your friends? Like, how do you know when you're making, you know, so I'm picturing someone who's like, okay, that's good. So I'm going to go ask, but I don't know if it's too much. Like, when am I being, I feel like that word, those words too much can get lobbed by Satan or I don't know, but is there an actual too much? So how do you guys weigh your, am I putting too much emphasis on friendship? This is a really good question. I think this is one of the things that maybe holds people back. It's kind of, to me, it kind of goes along with the idea too of how much do we share with friends and am I being too personal? Am I sharing too much or, you know, and I think, I, I think the confusion that comes with this too, in general comes from, from the enemy, right? Like God is not a God of confusion. And so I think that we, I think that we can trust the Holy Spirit more than we think we can when it comes to relationships. Um, Julie is an excellent prayer person. Like she prays for people like nobody. And she has gotten so in tune with just like praying for people, even without like just intuitively thinking, okay, Jesus put put this person in my heart. I'm going to pray for them. And even people Friends, I would say that are sort of um, peripheral, like not even close friends. I remember there was one time, Julie, you came to me and you were like, I feel like God is wanting me to pray for this person, but I don't even hardly know them very well. Do you think they're going to receive this well? Do you think like, is this okay? Is this, are they going to be offended? And I was like, okay, first of all, you feel like God told you to do it. Second of all, who's offended by prayer? I mean, even... (laughs) even if you're not a person of faith, are you offended by someone sincerely like offering prayer for you? And their response was so, they were so like appreciative of you doing that. Um, That I think we think people are going to be critical and most often than not, people are love that we would invite them or send them a text or pray for them Mm. or, um, more often than not, than I think people are thinking, oh, you're overwhelming me by trying to be my friend right now. Mm. I would temper that with um, vulnerability and oversharing. I mean, you know, when there are things, okay, I have circles of friends. And so Kendra is in my inner sanctum and it's a very small circle of women who are in my inner sanctum. So that those are women that got like the rawest form of me, the... <laughs> the most vulnerable, the most ugly, the most whatever, because um, I trust her implicitly to be able to hold that. And I do the same for her. And so we are in a a sister relationship really is what it, well, a healthy sister relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I have other circles of women that I am in relationship with and in friendship with, but I won't, I, I, I don't share the same amount of vulnerability with them at this point in our relationship. And so I try to be wise in my sharing and in my vulnerability. Um, I'll be in relationship with just about anybody. I will be friendly with just about anybody, but I 
carefully choose what I share and what amount of um, super vulnerable I am with people based kind of where I'm in relationship with them. So Mm. I try to be, so I will be in relationship with just about anybody, but if I have deemed a woman um, unsafe, not that she can't change, but if I have deemed a woman unsafe in some characteristics, she won't get the same Julie that Kendra gets. Mm. That makes sense. And, uh, before Matt and I got married, he he was already being a really great therapist. Shouldn't, you know, be my therapist. That's very unhealthy. But he was using therapy skills to help me. And he's like, let's just do a little eval of your friendships, Lori. And he's like, you have too many friends. And he's like, you need to do exactly what you're talking about. Like, here, who are your two to three close, close, inner sanctum friends? Um, or we like to think about it like could be in your your bedroom bathroom, you know, they could see the puke, whatever, you know, like they could hang out there. Um, but then who's maybe uh, kitchen friends? Who's the living room? Who's the front porch? You know, we just have to have these layers and even just thinking about, okay, that's okay to do. Like it's okay to put people in different places and even to see, okay, this is more of a serving sort of a friend. This is more of a missional friendship, still friendship, but it's less, um, you know, maybe both ways and it's more giving. How do you guys um, deal with, I guess, I want to say toxic friends or when, when do you know it's like alert, alert. Okay, this is actually someone I need to move out of this area and, and push into a different area. And I maybe push is the wrong word, but put a boundary around. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to how they speak about other women when they're not in the room. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my biggest, I mean, that's, that's one of my first red flags is just in conversation. So if we're on the soccer field sideline or, um, because I'm always looking, I try to, and, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later. I'm always looking for my next best friend. And what I mean by that is I always keep my circles open. So, um, our, our central Minnesota culture tends to be very closed. And so it's hard for people not from here to develop friendships because we've all known one another since kindergarten. And so we hang out with our cousins and our, kin- and our kindergarten friends and there's no room for anybody else. And so I try to very intentionally keep circles open, but um, where you, <laughs> but I also then have to be careful. Um, and so I, 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 the older I get, the less time I have for toxicity. And so um, if you are speaking badly of other women and I'm new to you, like I'm new to you and this isn't hashing over and trying to figure something out and saying, I really need to tackle this situation and what to do. Kendra, like, how do I approach this? If it's just, um, she left the gathering and so now we're going to talk about her. Um, that for me is a huge red flag. Why do we do that? And you guys, I'm talking primarily about female friendships for a hot second, but I know men do this too, is it's the cheapest form of relationship building is gossip you can like burn through it real quick and it makes you feel like you're super close but after it's like eating a bunch of sugar afterward you feel like garbage and if you're a believer in jesus hopefully the holy spirit's convicting you um why do we do that why do we eat relationship garbage to build relationships we love stories we are i was a speech com major and um the one one of the things I took away from that degree was we love stories as human beings. Stories are across all cultures. Stories were how we shared information. 
And gossip is like the best part of a story. It's salacious and interesting. And we're just attracted to that as people. Um, and, and so I think that's why we're warned about it in scripture is because we have an affinity towards it. Well, and I think too, there's some, there can be some insecurity in all of us. And so gossip is one way to kind of thwart that. I feel like a little bit for some people, um, if I can gossip about someone else and usually, I mean, gossip is typically like towards the negative, right? We're not gossiping, you know, positive things about people. Then it kind of makes me feel better about myself or my life or what's going on for me even like you said, even in the moment. So people walk away from those conversations and just feel like, Ugh. but in the moment, I can feel a little bit better about myself and maybe something hard I'm going through, even if nobody in this room knows about that, because I can say something negative about this person. Mm. Ooh, God help us. It's harder to grip you know, vulnerability to build relationships. It's harder to grip positivity, that salacious gossip. I mean, I try and avoid it. I It's so easy and it's so tempting and it's so juicy. You just want to eat it. But I, yeah, I so agree with you that, oh, insecurity, it just feeds on it. Okay, so I am assuming you're both straight. I don't know about your sexuality. I don't need to share here, but... I uh, wrestle with attraction to the same sex. I, I could identify as, you know, not straight. And so, but I, you're talking about girlfriends. You're talking about, you know, we need these friendships. They're so important in order to, you know, we can't do this life alone. Should, and you guys, if you're like, I don't really know, Lori. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to ask. Um, like, should you be, should we be friends with people we're attracted to? Whether it's opposite sex or same sex. How's that roll? Well, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was, well, are you single or married? Because that honestly will make a difference too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're single and you have a friend group and there's someone in there that you're attracted to, I don't think that um, necessarily means you can't be friends with them. In fact, my husband and I were good friends for a long time before we started dating. I actually think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now on the other side, being married, um, you know, and this is something people don't talk about a lot either. It's like, once you're married, then what attractiveness to anybody else suddenly just mm-hmm. dissipates and you oh, never yeah. notice Magically. it. <laughs> okay? Like it, this doesn't get talked about a lot, but I, I do think that that is something you have to be cautious of and aware of. And I, I don't know that I would recommend someone being friends with someone that they say that they're attracted to. And I'll just give you an example. Real life. My dad has always owned businesses for himself. And he, um, years ago, before I was even married. And I remember at the time thinking like, I don't, you know, first you're my dad, but also like, I don't, Like, I didn't know this was a thing, but he said, I'll never have a secretary that I find attractive Mm -hmm. myself personally. And the reason why is because I I don't want to bring any kind of temptation across my path. And at at the time, I remember thinking, wow, that's really weird. Like, why would you be attracted to somebody else? But now I understand that safeguard that he was setting for himself and and very consciously, right? And I think that we do have to do that in our friendships and relationships as well. 
I, so I, I, when I um, first got out of law school, I took whatever cases the law firm I worked for told me to take. And so they started handing me divorce cases, um, which I did not like to practice divorce law, but I learned a lot. I saw a lot of marriages, right. That were breaking up and emotional affairs are a thing. Um, and, and especially for women and it starts with friendship. And so I've learned that I agree completely with Kendra attraction to other people doesn't end with marriage. And so if I find myself even slightly attracted to somebody, um, I, if there is any kind of a friendship there, I bring my husband into that friendship. Like, like I make sure that my husband's part of conversations. I don't engage in building that friendship. If there's an attraction there on my own, I just don't because it's a safeguard for me. That's my own personal. And and I'm not telling people what they need to do. I'm just, there are certain guardrails in my life that I have established well back from danger. And that's the beauty of a guardrail. You set the guardrail. I mean, if you look at a guardrail, it's not on the edge of the cliff. It is well back, like as far back, like several feet away from the edge of the cliff. And so what is your guardrail around your marital relationship with respect to um, emotional affairs? Mm-hmm. It gets really tricky, though, if you are a single person called to singleness and you are supposed you're called to relationship and you're attracted to the same sex or like you have to be in healthy relationship. And I will just say, you know, I'll just throw out to you guys listening. Uh, Rachel Gilson and I, we talked about this a little bit more. Um, if you want to read our journey, well, study, I dive into this specifically for people uh, who are in my my world. Uh, if you wrestle like I do. Um, there are guardrails, but here's my biggest guardrail for me is it's often related to how is my spiritual health doing? Like if I'm like just struggling, like in general, like many women, this is a struggle for me right now. Um, if it is, then I need to look at, assess my spiritual life. Like where am I at with Jesus right now? And that's, this is so related to, we didn't quite name it, but relational idolatry. You guys, we also talked about this with Kelly Needham. You can go back. We talked about codependency, but if my heart is not going to the Lord first and saying, God, are you the one who meets these needs in my heart? I can wrestle with all sorts of stuff. All my issues are just amped times infinity. So I would just say it's it's very tied to your spiritual life. But for me, Lori, and guys, I'm just speaking for myself right now, um, married or single, if there's like one person and you're like, that's just, I'm just going to call it my type. And I'm just not going to go toward it. So that's kind of what you guys are talking about. Because uh, I need to be in relationship to women. It's not all women. Like I'm not some sort of freak monster. Good grief. Um, but if it is more than normal, I'm struggling. That's I got to always be looking at my heart. But if it's just one person and you're like, that's just my type. For me, Lori Creek, I'm not going to go be best friends with them. I can be friendly. I can go and uh, choose kindness. But I'm you know, whether I was married or single, I'm probably not going to go super close, which is, again, what you guys are talking about this, you know, walking to the edge. Um, okay, let's shift. I'm a busy, stinking mom. I've got a job. I got three kids. I'm discipling my kids. I have my husband. And it's not only mom guilt, I can get friend guilt. How in the world can I make time for my fellow mom friends, but also I'm in relationship to single people who I love? Like how in the world, guys? First of all, I'm going to say, have some grace for yourself and hopefully your friends 
your friendships are strong enough where they also have grace. Um, there are just seasons in our life that are incredibly busy and it's, and, and different. I mean, there's the older I get, the more I realize like we can do a lot of things. We just maybe can't do it all at once. Mm. And we're told that we ought to be able to do it all at once. And I no longer believe that. I, I think that's something that actually layers shame and guilt on top of us because it sets us up for failure. Um, so do what you can. <laughs> um, you know, I have, and, and, and it's different in different seasons. So when you've got little littles, maybe it's meeting for a play date and sharing a coffee and maybe that's all you can do. And that's okay. That's okay. And, and, and recognizing that in your girlfriends too, is she in a season where that's sometimes Kendra's a better friend to me than I am to her based on the season in my life and what I'm walking through. And sometimes I'm a better friend to her than she is to me based on what she's walking through and we ebb and flow and we know that. And so we just, we just move together in that knowing that it comes back around. And so if you have a young mom friend and you you can shower grace on her knowing that this is a season coming back around and maybe it's a conversation you need to have if you're in that season that you love your girlfriends and come back around. Can you talk about that conversation? Because I, praise the Lord, have learned how to communicate with Matt, my husband, pretty well. But for some reason, there's like this communication barrier. We just like don't want to offend and like we get passive aggressive and then you're hurt by X, Y, Z thing. Can you, what's like literally a conversation you guys have had where there's like a struggle between you and you've had to work it out? Like maybe it's timing. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling missed. What's that like? Will you give us words, please? Prayer first. I will say this. So like when, <laughs> when I'm feeling troubled in a friendship in, in any way, right. I, I take it to God first and pray about it and, and honestly say like, what's my piece in this? Like, what, What's my part in what's going on? Um, and, and my husband's a very wise man. And he always tells me like, if I'm grumbling about something, he's like, are you assuming the best? And so mm-hmm. approaching, so, so prayer and then putting my glasses on that say what I am going to assume the best of this person I love, what I'm spiraling into all of the negative anxious thoughts. And the likelihood is she, lo- I know she loves me. Likelihood is none of that's true. So what's me assuming the best and then going into the conversation. Well, um, I think too, it's a, it's being vulnerable. Like, I mean, it depends, right. We're talking about circles of friendship. So if it's a close friend, like I'll just tell you, Julie and I have had conversations where we will approach one another and say, I'm feeling really hurt because I feel like you put this in front of what we had planned, or I'm just going to give you an example. Julie and I were supposed to speak somewhere and the next day we were going to go off and do some writing or whatever. And then she got asked to do something else that second day. And so she's like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And I was hurt because we had this plan. And so I said, I, but I was, instead of just holding that myself, I was like, Julie, this, I started by saying how I felt like this really hurts my feelings because it makes me think you don't, think what we were going to do was important. And of course, 
Julie does value our friendship. She does value what we were going to do that day. And she said, you're right. I should not have done that. And and I'm going to fix it. And I think if we will allow ourselves to be vulnerable with our friends and start with, because I'll just be honest, for me, the first emotion I have is anger, but anger often is hiding hurt. So if I will get past that and be honest and vulnerable and say, I was really hurt, people are often very receptive to that Mm. if we start with how we're feeling. And I love that. And then, too, as I've learned both in friendships and in marriage is saying expectations, expectations unmet silent expectations are where it gets hurt so you unsaid (laughs) so it's hey i was expecting to go on this whole day with you and i feel blah oh well i was expecting any we can do whatever we want but you're right i'm so sorry we did talk about that so just being real and if you know we started this conversation with friendships being valuable if they're valuable then they're worth fighting for oneness takes effort that john 17 21 may they be one in friendship in the church that's what we're talking about this is church sister relationship takes work it takes marriage and work in marriage work in the church i feel like you were going to say something julie just that i completely agree with you i mean any relationship takes work and so to think that our friendships are just going to be smooth sailing all the time never with conflict is silly i mean that would be your most surface friendship right that you don't ever have to embrace conflict. You never have to talk about something hard. That's the, that's that's an acquaintanceship, mm. <laughs> um, which is okay too. I mean, I have acquaintances, um, but I'm not gonna be in an inner sanctum or like the bedroom bathroom friendship mm-hmm. with somebody and never hurt her or have her hurt me. Like it's just not possible. We're we're humans and we make mistakes and we do dumb stuff and we say ridiculous things sometimes yeah. and we need to be forgived, forgiven for it. Thank you. I just need, we just need to like sit it there. Conflict is normal and friendship, sisterhood, brotherhood, marriage takes work and it's worth it. And the one that's dividing our enemy is not the person in front of you. You guys, we know this. So you're okay, we're on the same team because we're on team Jesus. So let's make this work. I do, I want two more questions. I know we're going a little long today, guys. Dude friendships. We've talked with um, Eldridge's son, Sam and Blaine Eldridge. We've talked about male friendships, why they're so challenging. Is there some unique aspects? Because I, I, you know, guys, ho- please give me a little grace as I'm stereotyping for a hot second here. But it tends toward women, generally speaking, tend to be more social, relational, eyeball to eyeball. We want to have the coffee, pursue the small group. Dudes are tend toward shoulder to shoulder that's how they they tend to relate and it's more an activity can bring about a conversation but even the activity might not you know i'll ask matt like what do you guys talk about he's like hot dogs we did what we roasted hot dogs we talked about hot dogs <laughs> so and he's a therapist come on so help me what are some what's some maybe advice uh specifically for men listening on pursuing friendship do it your way. I, I have tried to interfere in my husband's friendships. And they I love that. They don't do, they don't love they? when they we do. set them up on dates? Yes, it's their favorite. They do. <laughs> no, you are exactly right to say that men do friendship very differently. And so I give my, I give Aaron um, 
the space and the grace to do things with other men. And I don't criticize how he does friendship with other men because it's, it looks very different. And you're right. Like they talk about hot dogs or concrete. And I'm like, this is so strange, but it's, but it's, but I don't understand, but God does. And it's Mm -hmm. friendship. And I have learned to stay out of his friendships. I mean, I encourage him. I give him the space. I, Mm -hmm. Um, give him the the blessing of time to do it, but I don't interfere in his friendships unless he is asking me to, because male friendships are different than female friendships and, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful things. I mean, when I watch and he's having fun with his guy friends, they're glorious things to watch. I just don't understand them. So and I know like Matt, he's, when I asked him that, he's always like, why, why are you just talking about hot dogs? And he tells me the heart under it. It's not that men are dumb and that they just want surface. They don't. It's Matt says, Lori, I want to know I'm liked as I am. He's like, life is so intense and hard. And um, he's like, I just want to know I'm liked as I am. And guys listening, if you are not, you're like, yeah, why do most men talk about concrete and hot dogs? And you are like, I want the eyeball to eyeball deep heart chat. Bless you. Bless you for being like Jesus that way. You are still so masculine. We love you. And um, I mean, we we just bless you and do it your way too. And, and God help you um, because the stereotype is real and it is a lot of weenie roasts. <laughs> tends to be and there, there's that relational fear which i wish matt was here we, we really need to do a whole episode more on um what is some of the relational fear that men can have and women but i would love to dive more more into what men can have you know i i read an article recently that had done a study on the friendship differences between men and women and they they said that actually boys and girls up to a certain age are very similar in in friendship and the way that they'll share with one another and interact Mm. with one another. And then about 11, 12, 13 happens and suddenly there's a shift for boys and they stop sharing their heart with their friend Mm. or they stop, you know, it changes. And Mm. what is it about that at that point in life that changes for boys becoming men that they now think that they can't share their emotions or their heart with their friends. And that I have boys myself. And so that has like just struck me so much that I want for my boys to have the same kind of deep friendships. And so even though my, my son right now is 11, I have been telling him now for the last little while, like, I'm so glad you shared that part of your yourself with Johnny. I'm really glad you told him that because I want to encourage him to continue to have those heart conversations, even as he grows and gets older. And even with my husband now, I've been intentional to say to him, like when he's going through a hard time, I'll be like, well, do you, did you talk to Aaron about that? Do you want to maybe go and have a coffee with Andrew and tell him about that? Like you can tell me, but I want to encourage him in his friendships, but also remind him that like getting that deeper support from men in his life is so valuable too. Oh my goodness. I just want to start a whole nother episode now and talk about emotional vulnerability across the board, both men and women and how we all equally need it. 
we've just, you know, this is so much cultural. This is so much shame from the church and from the world. And men need to buck up and only talk about hot dogs and concrete. And that's the only safe thing. So as much as, you know, I know Matt could feel safe talking there and know he's liked. I know his heart is a holistic heart that wants, um, and he, I wish, again, he was right here to talk about it. So we're going to have to explore this uh, further, specifically talking more about just relationships and emotional vulnerability. But ladies, I just want to thank you so much for sharing um, your hearts and your vulnerability and your real-time friendship with me right here today and with, with our audience. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Okay, guys, go check out the one year daily acts of friendship and all the Ruth experience has to offer online and on their socials. It's really uplifting. Again, that kind of friendshipy withness. You can go to the Ruth experience. Dot com, uh, and you can find all their socials there, even if you just search that. Guys, we do have a question of the week for next week. You can answer it by joining the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook group. Just answer a couple questions or follow me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Lori Creed, K-R-I-E-G. Here's the question. I like this one. If you could be in the Guinness Book of World Records, what record-breaking feat would you attempt Who's going for longest fingernails and <laughs> toenails? Ew. <laughs> but maybe that's your thing. Let us know. Oh, man. Thank you so much to Kendra and Julie for joining us today. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. 